G'day everyone, welcome back. A little bit of a special intro, it's going to be a little bit longer than usual because I'm joined by Mr McDermott and Mr Mengel. How you going boys? Yeah, good mate. Yeah, it's super. Super? Super awesome mate. Super awesome, I like it. Yeah. The reason we're gathered here tonight is in the AM, in a few hours time, we are out of here. We're getting out of Dodge. Getting down on the mountain. Getting Yeah, they're getting down on the mountain. Is that what we want to say? Seven blokes, yeah. So, yeah seven blokes getting seven down blokes on the mountain. Seven blokes down on the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Giddy up. <laughs> no, we're heading out to... Uh, how long... I was trying to think, man. How long has this been in the in the works? Is it two years? No, not quite. It's It's been 12 months and a bit mm. because it was... It was supposed to be the, the rut last year. It was meant to be the rut last year. Then it was meant to be November last year. Then it was meant to be the rut this year. Then it's now. Then it's now. And the rut in Australia is in April. Mm. So we're a couple of months <laughs> out. However, we're just going to head up there for four days, get out of here, and just yeah, chill out. Camping. Camping. Fishing. Fishing. Hunting. Hunting. Just doing what we 5, do. 5,000 acres yeah. alone with seven men. Yeah. No one can hear you scream. Yeah, I thought someone might be using muscles they haven't used in a while. <laughs> fresh, <laughs> fresh water muscles. Fresh like, water muscles. They're tasty, like, eh? Walking up hills and stuff, I was thinking. Ah, oh, mate. Don't really that's do what, it enough, that's eh? That's what four bees are for. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what do you think we got four trucks? We just yeah. drive everywhere. Yeah. Pretty much. We drive everywhere, have a look, and we jump out and see what we're going to do. Yeah, that's just basically tourists. So we we're like well, deer. Deer are pests in Australia. We're allowed right. to spotlight them and shoot them with bows from the backs of trucks. <laughs> Not that we'd do that, but it just crossed my mind a few times. It is possible. Is so is five thousand acres. Five thousand yeah. going acres, to yeah. explore, and, yes. we, and we got it all to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Pretty exciting, isn't it? It's awesome, man. No, the pa- trucks are packed. We're ready to go. And just wanted to touch base with everyone and just that we do this little intro, maybe just express a bit of appreciation for the last couple of weeks and welcome all the new listeners. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, the podcast continues to accelerate and we really appreciate that. Hey, man, we really do, boys. We do. Much gratitude. Mm. Peace, love, harmony. Mm. Mm. And Mr. Mengel, last time you were on here, mate, you were yowie hunting. That's right, in a completely different area. I actually did have a look on the map. There are no reported sightings where we're going. But um, where but it's we the same are, range. Well, if you continue out along the border range. Well, no one's west. saying it's not possible, hey. I uh, know. Right? Mm. I'm, I'm going to call them in. I'm going to call them in. Yeah, excellent. All right. Yeah. Bring them in. Let's have a commune. A commune, yeah. Yeah, let's commune with, the, with nature. Well, we we've just, all got beards. We're all hairy enough, you know what yeah. I mean? Oh, no, I don't know if you want to get fully migrated into their tribe, mate. Not particularly. I'm no. not saying full migration. No, you might not have a choice whether you want to go or not, though. <laughs> Look. If I they did, like you, they like you, mate. You're I did say I did say once before, because uh, I'm planning on going out one night by myself. Yeah. So if you do you find should. me 10 kilometres from where I last was seen, mm. naked mm. on top of a ridgetop, dead from overexposure... You know what got me. Yeah, that's Well, right. the cold could do that, mate. Like, we will definitely look for evidence. All the, all the UFOs might yeah. come down and... They might pick me up. Well, yeah, are, we, are we going... We're going to call in UFOs. We're going to do a bit of a... We're going to see some wind lights. So we got, like, long stretches of flat road. Not really. Not really. It's a lot of range right. country where we're heading. Mm. So it's not quite the flat world. All right, well, let's not make anything up then. Yeah. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought we could have some encounters of the fifth kind. Yeah. Stephen yeah. Greer style. Mm-hmm. And we'll yeah. fucking sit in a circle and we'll we'll call in the UFOs and get see if we can. Get up on the ridgeline. Yeah, get up on the ridgeline. Yeah. The highest point on the property and just fucking We need some synchronize. Um, those circus lights, mate. Circus lights? Yeah, they're like so powerful. We're sitting in... Oh, like, those giant ma- spotlights. That, yeah. yeah. I was sitting with a mate and like we've seen these lights going up in the sky and it looked pretty organized, like synchronized mm. in this movement. We're like, what is that? And now when you say UFO, people say aliens, but the joke was that we weren't saying they were aliens. We we're just saying that is a UFO. Right. So because it's unidentified. It was un- yeah, it was unidentified. Just and, you're talking about searchlights, like the big... But it ended up being circus lights. So, yeah. like, I had no idea how powerful those things are. Yep. And I thought they were in a tent. No, they're shining up in the air, and it's like, it was so bright. It looked like something was, like, just cruising up around there in the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know. Uh, mate, that was just swamp gas. Yeah, just swamp gas. Yeah. Weather balloons. Yeah, but it, it wouldn't be that hard to stage an invasion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to call in a local circus. I'm sure it is a fucking circus. Someone stole a tent, left us with all the clowns. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure that's what's already happened, man. And you, you haven't seen what's going on. Well, it's fascinating, boys. I did actually have this thought today. It's like we're actually disconnecting from society for four days. Mm. We could literally come back. And who knows, man? Dude, this could be like tomorrow when the I war began. I actually thought about that tomorrow when the war began. Mm. I seriously thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Every good Aussie has read that that book. Yeah. You're not a good Aussie by the look of the, that you're giving <laughs> Have me. Have you not read Tomorrow When the War Began? No, because no, I'm no, pretty sure right, there's like, a movie it's it's on it. Yeah, it's on my no, list of as. No, no, no. It's got like Libby from Neighbours yes. in it and shit. Yes. And then, I'll, and then, I'll find and then, it on audiobook. No, I'm but sure. then no. the other thing was like the Yanks then ripped it off because yeah. it was so good. The Red, oh, the Red Dawn the Red or something Dawn, like that. Is, and it's yeah. like, oh, okay, get yeah, the yeah, fuck yeah, out of here. That was our movie first and it was our book first. That that series, I haven't read that series in a long time, but that's a brilliant, there's like five or six of them. Was it Tim Winton? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great Aussie author, author that like for teen but, books because we yeah, all read it in yeah, high school. Yeah, all read it in high school. I feel like, and it yeah, was, and it was good enough school. to actually read. Yeah. You know, it was actually yeah, 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 yeah. So the, the premise is, for those that don't know, the non-Aussies uh, amongst the listeners is basically they go camping for a week and while they're camping, World War Three starts and yeah, they get And the country invaded, gets, invaded, gets invaded. And then they become like around. the resistance. Yeah. Excellent book, excellent series of books. But yeah, I thought about that because <laughs> I mean, well, I didn't pack it's enough stuff then. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Neither did they, mate. That was the whole. All idea. my guns are at fucking Bowie. We've got to get in there somehow. <laughs> I'm sure Woody will come looking for us. Mate. Woody will find us. No, nah, boys. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. This has been on the cards for a while. Looking forward to getting out there by the river, up on the ridge line, just chilling out, having a bit of a stalk around. See if we can find whatever we can find, man. Go on a bit of a personal journey as well. I think everybody's aiming to do that, which is, you know, what these trips are about as well. But, uh, yeah, just an appreciation for you boys uh, to head out there again into the into the bush. Um, looking forward to it. Same here, mate. Yeah, looking forward to go and walk about. Yeah. And what you guys should be looking forward to next is... Uh, EFS 10, EFS coming 10. up next. Exactly, coming up next, Earth's Forbidden Secrets 10. It's juicy too. Yeah, it's we a good did one, it eh? just a couple of days ago. It's, it, but, and look, it's it's shortened because we had to, we were in the middle of packing. We just had to punch the episode out. However, uh, look, we'll touch base when we get back. 
It's and really getting into that point of the book where it's it's becoming a page turner. Yeah, it is. You know, it I want to come back and do more episodes more, episodes, more often yeah. because yeah. it's like, oh, shit, I want to yeah. I want to know what's what's going right, on. Right, exactly. Sort of where's, where's he going where, next? Where's he actually going to end up in the rabbit hole? Because mm-hmm. right? he, he's sort of touching on so many different things, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, just... Oh, you're not ready for that yet. We'll think oh, yeah. about that later. Remember this point. Yeah, remember I'll this come point. Back I'll come to that. back to that about Mars and then about, yeah, man. It's it's really good. We love Max, another good Aussie author. Well, uh, mate, that's the rocket clock. That is the rocket clock. It's time clock. for us to pack up. No worries, mate. Uh, good on you guys. Well, I'll see you bright and early. Thank you very much, everyone. Remember on Patreon, Unlocking the Code. Look us up, Facebook, Instagram, Unlocking the Code. Please give us a review. It does help the algorithm. And just thank you, thank you, thank you to all the awesome new listeners. Uh, Enjoy. Until next time. In this life and the next. Peace. Cheers. We went from... Spitting jamster, 50 fans in a little cramped room. A shoebox, he couldn't fit a shoe in a tour. In Switzerland with my man in the minivan, being the man of the minican. Happening in the minivan. I've seen bodies that I trust in a way. Cause money can't buy your love, but it can earn your hate. And none of you came from fuck to the movement we're launched. Now every crew is making music, every dude has got bars. Now every half assed bar fly up in the bar ones. You said about spitting about the dark and the hard times. On the fighting for the crowds and the side. When we encountered in the pal who had been down on his line It's some volleys pushing trolleys eating soup from a tent My girls are golly man, these polys ain't improving a thing We'll swap your worries for some volleys, swap your soup for some wings So fly with us, we light it up and it's a beautiful The days of Walkmans and starter hats The open mic nights, master in the auto rap We man-made underground like a artifact We don't need to worry when the market crash I'm from the bottom, brought up my new Scotland Planted all my seeds, watered them and watch it blossom Then they try to tell me over time we'd be forgotten Rotten, thinking that you're gonna keep me boxed in Nonsense, hilltop and class rock till you're noggin' nod And you can walk in my shoes but never fit in my jeans I do this with no option till my body's old and rotten And exhausted, keep it going cause I'm living when it comes to picture painting, we might be the illustrated with the visuals illustrated. That's still communication. Therapy for life without the rehabilitation. Keep waiting, I'm about to blow up. Carving out a path was a hardship for the traveler <laughs> Said the rap's facade, you never manage it in these parts Guess it's the scars that give us character We misfits and slackers Set risk kids or hackers with the wish list Sick of doing six shifts of knackers From listeners to rappers, prestigious to hapless I don't need a gift to know that this shit is backwards Went down officially, another visionary Will light the flame, write their name in their sweat blood and infamy It's got a symphony, fuck the industry Let them come, we're the ones carving history So we rhyme for the hurt and poor, hard work and poor International herd applaud the local suburban toy All gave a purpose for the roar when the curtains draw Furthermore, ask yourself what you're searching for
follow me To a place I like to go Line of notes, a signpost to find that which lies below Born in 88, so I came in late To find for the first time in life I felt right at home Through the growing pains and hostile takeovers People trying to put us down like Beethoven We stayed strong and remained focused Till they had no other choice but to stand up and take notice Never thought what I wrote on the page back in the day Would ever have me catching a plane or rapping up on the stage Staring out at the crowd in amazement Thinking back on the days when we were confined to the limitations of the basement The subterranean kids became the main event I pay respect to those who spent days laying foundations Countdown to detonation This is number 10. Number 10. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being had. It's been a little while, mate. We've been I've been doing some other stuff, but we're we're back into the book yeah. tonight. Because uh, we left it behind with Atlantis and possible physical evidence. We really couldn't leave it that we long. We couldn't leave it that long. We had to come back around. Mm, mm. So we have obviously, as usual, well look, man. This episode is going to come out early because we're off, mate. We're out of mm-hmm. here. We're going to be getting down on the mountain. Yeah, getting down. <laughs> it probably doesn't. Yeah, the connotations of that. <laughs> it's just seven men, <laughs> 5,000 acres. No one can hear you scream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, nah, looking forward to it, man. Looking nah, forward to it. It's going to be a good trip. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, oh, yeah, we need it, bro. Need it. Oh, fuck yeah, man. Just get out of the... Just, yeah. Anyway, so enjoy this one. Uh, we might do something when we come back. So I reckon we'll have a perception shift. Most definitely. Mm. I'm keen for that. Mm. So we'll jump back in. Uh, Flick right. over to the article, please. The article's Well, I'm going to do our universe and then you can do the ancient city. All right, all right. I reckon. That so, sounds good to me. First article is our universe may exist inside a fourth-dimensional black hole. And Alex, Jesse, Troy, John, and Leslie, with Alex and Leslie giving us a wow, which is cool. Thank you very much. Peace and gratitude, dude. Yeah, that's very cool. Thank you, man. Uh, All right. So, our universe is so vast that it appears impossible for anything else to exist. Experts are beginning to suspect that a universe might exist inside a fourth-dimensional black hole. Classic black hole image, which they don't actually know. That's completely computer-generated. Yeah. Well, they're normally black. Mm. Normally, light doesn't escape a black hole. There was a lot of light coming out that hole. It's a bit of a wormhole. Yeah, sun shines out your ass kind of fucking thing. (laughs) Uh, Our cosmos began as a singularity, a point in space that was endlessly hot and dense, According to researchers at CERN, such as James Beecham, black holes in our universe may have the same characteristics as those described by the scientific community. How does a black hole form? Well, I wonder, right? Well, we only like we only figured to, out there was a black hole in the middle of the Milky Way not that long ago. But I'm, I'm what I'm worried about here, mate, is uh, according to researchers at CERN, right? So, super if it, collider, yeah, which 
was feared that could possibly create a black hole. Yes. So yeah, what if they're writing this because they know that we're inside, <laughs> we're over the event horizon. None of us realise it. But they're like, yeah, so uh, I think we could possibly be in a black hole. Yeah, yeah, we might yeah. be flying through a fourth dimensional black hole. <laughs> because they created it. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, the math does suggest that we live in the matrix, man. That's right. All right. How does a black hole form? And again, this is just speculation, really. It's theory, because we're not that well, sure. You read your example of how black hole forms, but, mate, I've seen black holes created plenty of times, and it's usually not pretty. <laughs> black holes are created when enormous still... Oh, Jesus. It's Come on, mate. Rusty. Rusties. <laughs> you need some rusties, Rusties. Mate. Black holes are created when enormous stars die and collapse into an impossibly dense mass from which even light cannot escape. Scientists refer to the space limit where light cannot leave and no object can return as the event horizon. Obviously this sounds familiar since the cosmos can be seen as its own event horizon. In the first trillionth of a second after the Big Bang, the universe started to expand at a rate faster than the speed of light. How do they know that? Prior to this time, space did not exist, hence the universal speed restriction did not exist either. The expansion of the cosmos slows over time. Einstein's theory of relativity states that enormous objects warp space-time, hence the space-time around a black hole is curved. Seeing black holes would almost be impossible if not for the light and heat that are pulled into them. The more matter a black hole swallows, the larger it and its event horizon will get. As the black hole expands, the rate of, at which the matter falls decreases. To an onlooker, extreme gravity makes it seem as though nothing is moving. According to the theory of relativity, from the viewpoint of someone sucked into a black hole, time seems normal. Big bong. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> These motherfuckers put us in a black hole. <laughs> None of us know. None of us know. That's, that's, you know, we've been saying, man, it's getting worse and crazy. and It's getting weird. It, they're talking, you know, all this idea about fucking other dimensions. It's like, yeah, the guys releasing that those articles yeah. are the guys that put here us here, man. Are we currently inside a black yes. hole? Our cosmos contains three-dimensional black holes with two-dimensional event horizons. According to this reasoning, if our universe is an event horizon, it must have originated from a fourth-dimensional black hole. Calculating what occurs at the singularity of a black hole is impossible, which is why we get infinites. While the event horizon can be calculated using current knowledge and equations, the matter falls into the black hole and the event horizon encodes it. But we've never thrown anything into a black hole. Like, we don't... It's the math that suggests this, But right? the mathematics tells me. The, as the black hole grows, so does the event horizon. So the surface area is just the right size to hold all the information for all the stuff that has fallen since the big, since the big bang. This information is the universe's information. Surprisingly, the math adds up and provides solutions to crucial puzzles about our universe and black holes, according to the researchers at the Perimeter Institute and the University of Waterloo. Is that the Big Bang hypothesis has our relatively comprehensible, uniform and predictable universe arising from the physics-destroying insanity of a singularity? It seems improbable. It is difficult to conceive our universe being inside another cosmic black hole. The black hole idea seems to appears to make sense and fill in the missing parts that scientists and experts have been pursuing for a lifetime. 
leading us to assume that the universe is far larger and weirder than we previously believed. Of course it is. Well, I was reading an uh, insightful article the other day that was talking about the fact that... That's it. That's it. We can move faster um, than the uh, speed of light. And in fact, we are moving faster mm. than the speed of light relative to planets that are far enough away. True. Because because the universe is expanding, or stars, mm. sorry, as well. well so hang on, because yeah, it's right, expanding, right. they they went through a whole fucking series of points that I'm not going to recall right now. No. But basically, the summary of the argument was: the further things get away from us, the faster they travel. Yeah, it's right? true. Yeah, which causes this thing called, I believe, it's the Hubble horizon which is visual space. Mm. Because once you get past that horizon of visual space, you can't see beyond it. No. Because the light from the fucking stars mm. doesn't make it any no. further because no, no, they're no. moving away from us faster yeah. than the speed of light. Yeah. But to them, speed well, spe- speed and time is relative. Mm. So... To us, they're moving at that speed. Mm. But to them, we're moving at that speed. Mm. And they're still. Mm. Or their their time is, whatever their normal it's re- time is. Because it's is. relative. Yeah. So, yeah. Whatever the, their time is, is normal to them. Yeah. But we're moving. Well, they're the, not actually moving at the speed of light. No. And neither are we. But they're moving away from yeah. us faster than distance. the speed of yeah, light. Yeah, yeah. So, we are moving at... Well, aren't Half we the speed of through, light. Aren't and we there's... spiraling through the universe? Isn't that well? Yeah, but that's something completely different as well. Because we're spiraling. Our solar system is spiraling through our galaxy, which mm. our galaxy is spiraling through the universe. Mm. So everything is moving all the time, mm. and it just gets bigger and bigger. Mm. So we might be spinning at forty-eight thousand miles an hour around mm. the sun. Mm. But we're also moving at half the speed of light away from other things in the universe because our whole galaxy is moving at that speed. Mm. You get me? Yeah. So yeah. we're actually doing multiple speeds at, at once. It's That's all right. it's it's all relative to yeah. where you're viewing where it. You are. If you're viewing it at the solar system level, mm. we're moving at twenty eight thousand fucking miles an hour mm. or whatever. Yeah. If you're viewing it at the galaxy, we're moving at at that. By magnitudes of 10. Yeah, that rotation, yeah. Because we're, we're moving on a larger scale. Well, aren't we due to crash into the Andromeda galaxy in X amount of time? I can't really, I'm pretty sure that's I light. don't know. Yeah. That's a good question. It's right there if, yep. if we could see it. Yeah. Yep. Maybe. Uh, mm. It's but interesting yeah, stuff, everything's man. Everything's relative. Everything's relative. And look, a lot of that stuff is theory. And yeah, your your th- your theory about the fact did CERN accidentally open up a fourth dimensional black hole and they just sort of let slip that, hey, uh, yeah, we might be in a black hole. Yeah, it's just good coincidence that <laughs> fucking CERN's releasing that shit. Anyway, dude, click me over to my fucking article. I yeah. want a 10. It's your, it's your turn right now, My mate. 10. You mean, eh? This one's a quality article. Of course uh, it is. From knowledgetime.com. Oh, you, want right. the, you have the mouse, mate. All right. Oh, yeah, that's right. The mouse. The mouse. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. This mysterious ancient underground city is being kept secret from the rest of the world. 
A lost underworld of catacombs, hewn chambers and cave tunnels exists beneath Egypt's pyramids. Untouched for hundreds of years, they've been mentioned in ancient literature and Arab folklore, but they've remained untouched until recently. For the first time, they have been... Hang on a second. What are you doing? There we go. We're back. For the first time, they have been rediscovered and researched. What does this subterranean region reveal about the pyramids, their relationship to the stars, and Egyptian civilization's fabled beginnings? In 2008, a group of researchers travelled to Hawara, Egypt, 55 miles south of Cairo, to study this long-lost subterranean labyrinth which was described by many authors, including Herodotus and Strabo. I asked Muhammad about this, and he said, yeah. He said, yeah, nah? Yeah, nah. Um, Labyrinth of Egypt. Underground, yeah. Hmm. The fabled temple was reported to have 3,000 rooms filled with hieroglyphics and paintings. To scan the sands of Hawara and unravel the mystery the Belgian-Egyptian expedition team used the most advanced ground-penetrating equipment available. The Mataha expedition, Mataha equaling Labyrinth of Arabic, established the underground temple's existence immediately south of Ami... What is that? Amenemhat. I really should know that. Amenemhat. The Thirds Pyramid. Many ancient texts have referred to Egypt. You know what? I bet we know that word, yeah. but we just haven't seen it spelt. Probably. Because I'm like, oh, I fucking think that's... I think it sounded... Amenemhat. Amenemhat. A different way mm. to what it's spelt. Mm. Anyway, many ancient texts have referred to Egypt's aptly called Labyrinth claiming it to be a truly gigantic scale and maybe the key to demonstrating the existence of a lost civilization prior to the ancient cultures associated with the region today. Some even believe it holds some of the keys to understanding humanity's true history. The results of the Mataha expedition were published in the NRIAG's scientific publication, in the fall of 2008, and they were discussed at the public talk in, is that Gent or Ghent? Be Ghent. Ghent University. Due to Egyptian national <laughs> security's restrictions, Dr. Zahi Hawass, Secretary General and of, oh, <laughs> I thought that was going to say, and Supreme Overlord. <laughs> Sorry. That's why I but skipped it's the, the General of the Supreme Council. Sec- of Secretary General of the Supreme Council of Antiquities, Imagine Egypt. His business card must be huge, man. Yeah, you'd need an A4 <laughs> piece of paper. <laughs> Requested that the results not, not be released Jesus. because it went against the paradigm. Yeah. The researchers awaited for Dr. Hawass's announcement of, of the findings with bated breath. It never took place. Of course it didn't. As a result, the team created a website and published their findings. Eat a bag of dicks. Although the Mataha's expedition 
expedition's discovery is remarkable. No more attempts to examine the labyrinth have been made. The Egyptologist... I'm falling into rust now. Egyptologist. The Sphinx and the Cover-Up is a longer article that delves deeper into the subject. Mm. Mm, We should search that. To cut a long tale short... A ban on excavations at several Egyptian archaeological sites, as well as Dr. Zahir Hawass's contradictory views on the existence of tunnels and caverns underneath the Giza Plateau, suggest a secret agenda is at work. Mm. The Hidden Caves of Giza is a full-length documentary that delves into the mysteries and controversies surrounding these lost caves. Hit watch later. Oh, yeah, hang on. It keeps going. Is this, again, another instance of governments and elites refusing to let us know the truth about the world's history? There are a plethora of unsolved questions. That secret. What secrets do you think this fabled underground structure holds? Could this be the most significant destruct- discovery in the history of mankind? Oh, there's a word. Athanasius Kirch's reconstruction of the Egyptian labyrinth, Taurus Babel Sive, Archontologia, <laughs> copper plate engraving, sheesh! 50 by 41, look at that. So, yeah. so, so go up, so that's a copper engraving, that, that thing there. Oh, that's a copper engraving. Yeah. Interdasting. Wow, look at that. That's crazy. It is critical that the labyrinth be brought back into the light as and presented to humanity. This time, how long will the labyrinth and all its secrets be forgotten? Only a well-informed public can affect change if enough people demand to know what is going on in Egypt's caves. The government will finally be forced to listen. Yeah. Uh, no, they won't. No, they won't. They'll just be like, no, nah, fuck off. That's the end of that one, mate. No. It's a lot of pop-ups there. Yeah, look, the labyrinth thing. I want to look into that, the Mataha expedition. That that could be worthy of a, um, a bit more investigation, mate. Yeah, maybe uh, that in-depth article we could we could read it one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably a... All right, well, let's punch on into the next segment. Oh, we didn't say thank yous. Oh, no, thank you. Fuck. Fucking hell. Sorry, guys. Shane, Leslie Fuck. and Bozzy. Sorry, guys. Fuck, I'm slack. That's Dropping the ball again. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> can, fuck. Can you stop saying fuck? Fuck. <laughs> Sorry, guys. All right. Possible uh, physical evidence. Take it away, Triffin. So we ended uh, in Atlantis, weren't we? And we're talking about possible physical evidence. Correct. I think the... Uh, Listeners know where we were. Mm. They've been waiting for this. The possible physical evidence. All right, let's go. So if there really was a sunken continent that supposedly supported an advanced civilization that once existed in the Atlantic, wouldn't there be some trace of it left? In actual fact, there are over 30 separate sets of ruins that have been found in various locations on the bottom of the Atlantic since 1956. These include the remains of the coast of Bimini uh, in the Bahamas, the Canary Islands, Cuba, Andros, Cadiz, K- 
calcane in Spain off the coast near Florida and also off the coast of Morocco. One of the most famous discoveries concerning Atlantis would undoubtedly be what has become known as the Bimini Road, or Wall, discovered in the early 1960s off the coast of Bimini Island by Dr. Manson Valentine. The road consists of hundreds of huge, square, flat megalithic stones laid out in a long road on the ocean floor. The paved underwater road is located about 20 miles off the Bimini coast and despite claims to the contrary, this enigmatic stone road still remains totally unexplained. It is also notable that in 1975, a team of about 20 researchers, including archaeologists, a marine biologist, a cartographer and a geologist, conducted a diving expedition to investigate the Bimini Road. The team retrieved some artefacts from the site uh, for further analysis and their results showed that the materials used to build it were not to be found anywhere in that part of the world. I haven't seen photos of that actually, that's pretty cool. In 1977, another amazing discovery was reportedly made on the Atlantic Ocean floor near Quesal in Spain by Al Marshall. Marshall claimed to have seen a 650-foot pyramid that emitted a mysterious light. He described it as being surrounded by sparkling white water that turned to deep green that was a shocking contrast to the dark black waters at that depth. For, uh, fortunately, Marshall had also had the foresight to photograph the event. Hey, we didn't. Uh, well, can't this, we, yeah, he he fucking photographed this six hundred and fifty foot pyramid. Where? Okay. Did he say that? Yeah, he just said There's that. There's no fucking. Yeah. Where's the photos? In nineteen seventy, a Dr. Ray Brown was diving on the seabed off the Bahamas, accompanied by four others, when he reportedly discovered paved roads, rectangular buildings, domes, strange and unidentified metallic objects that looked like instruments of some kind and a statue holding a strange crystal with miniature pyramids inside it. The crystal and metallic objects were then taken to Florida University for testing where they discovered that the crystal actually amplified energy that was passed through it. The crystal was then photographed from several angles using a Curlean camera, which is a special high and low frequency camera that can record images beyond our field of vision. The Curlean photographs clearly revealed an eye within the crystal that was not visible to the naked eye. The scientists at the university decided the crystal was truly unique and had been made by a method that was unknown to them. An incredible discovery was also made by the crew of a salvage ship out of Spain called the Talia, and the find was reported by its captain, Reyes Moraga. During their dives, Captain Moraga and his crew videotaped literally miles of buildings, pillared temples, pyramids and statues. There were wide curved boulevards with smaller streets branching off like the spokes of a wheel, looking very close to Plato's description of the actual city of Atlantis. Yeah. Out of Spain. That's what, that's what I would have said there. Uh, another sunken city, remarkably like Moraga's, was discovered off Spain by Dr. Maxine Asher, who photographed the ruins and also retrieved an urn from the site. In 1958, Dr. William Bell apparently discovered and photographed a structure at the bottom of the Atlantic. What Bell claims to have found was a six-foot spire atop of two gear-like bases with a peculiar light emanating from the bottom of the shaft. In the 1970s, the foundations of a structure measuring 75 feet by 100 feet was found on the ocean floor off the coast of Andros Island. Several pilots have reported seeing mysterious dome structures beneath the water in Florida Straits on days when the ocean has been clear. 
an underwater ruin's been located off the coast of Morocco. Morocco. While even more ruins, these bearing the signs of having been destroyed by lava and similar to many ways to some Aztec and Mayan ruins, were discovered by a Soviet exploration team at Ampia Seamont in the Atlantic in 1978. Similar ruins were also found off Cadiz in Spain, and ruins carved with unusual symbols were reportedly found on the seabed off the Canary Islands in 1981 by a P. Capilano. So I haven't heard of half of these, man. Mm. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of it's off the coast of Spain, which is where it would be. Yeah. I, I reckon, because that's what Randall reckons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's interesting. But I'd never heard of half of this stuff. It is unknown what civilization these many ruins that have been found beneath our oceans actually belong to. Whether it was clan called Atlantis or whether it was the name Atlantis is any more than pure invention. One thing that is certain, however, is that beyond any shadow of a doubt, there was indeed once a civilization that existed on this planet which was most utterly destroyed by a major event that was something very sudden and very catastrophic. What could such an event have been? Lemuria. You want to do Lemuria and I'll jump onto Great Southern Land? Sure. Let's do that. The Legend of Lemuria. Uh, Martin talks a bit about Lemuria. Hmm. The idea that there may have been a civilization even more ancient than Atlantis that was the motherland of humankind is also one that has endured in man's collective consciousness for many years. This thought is at once both compelling and tantalizing. Yes, it is, Max. Such is the tale of Lemuria, a land and culture that is said to have existed in the vicinity of the Pacific and Indian Oceans. It is possible that if it existed, Lemuria was indeed the civilization that predated the legendary Rama and Atlantean civilizations. It would have been the stuff of Atlantean legends as Atlantis is of ours. Though it has never been proven that there was ever a body of land in the Pacific region, it has now, isn't there? There's that big land between us and New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, and also up through the islands as well. Uh, several landmasses in the Pacific that are said to be the remains of a once great continent. Fiji, New Zealand, Australia, Hawaii, Easter Island, the Philippines and Indonesia. I mean, that whole area, if you take the 400 feet off a lot of that, mm. that a lot of those islands join together. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. Um, where are we? Actual sunken ruins have also been found in several regions in the Pacific, notably off the Hawaiian Islands of Maui and Oahu, off the islands of Japan and close to the Indonesian coastline. There's still a culture in Indonesia that builds megalithic structures and, and uh, like, what they call them, statues and stuff to this mm. day. Yeah, Very similar to the South American stuff, a lot of God, God self-imagery as well. Yep. But do they have anything to do with Lemuria? Studies into these, some of these ruins were actually carried out by a United Nations diplomat named Farida Iskoviet, who researched the Maori ruins in 1972 and subsequently concluded that they were the most definitely genuine and also extremely ancient. As strange as it may seem to you at first, the chance of a continent simply disappearing does not seem so far outside the realms of possibility due to recently discovered knowledge of relationships between tectonic movements and magma flows. This has given us valuable insights into just what our planet is capable of. Before we examine this further, is he going to go to uh, plate shift? He might be going plate shift, maybe. Let's take a closer look. Well, let's also not 
forget about like um, isostatic dis- depression. Yeah, yeah, displacement. As well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's take a closer look at the actual legend of Lemuria and find out exactly what we are being asked to believe. Next chapter, Great Southern Land. Great cool. Southern Land. Dun-dun. Great song. <clears throat> According to legend, Lemuria was a civilization that began on a great continent in the Pacific region sometime between 200,000 and 78,000 years ago, though others have pushed the date back further and estimate it to be 150 million. Lemuria is recently adapted name and the actual name of the continent is believed to have been Mukulia or Mu. The Australian Aborigines speak of the land in their Dreamtime legends and call it Gondwana land. The Lemurian civilization is said to have been uh, to have lasted for a staggering 52,000 years until it was destroyed during massive earthquakes and subsidence caused by a cataclysmic polar shift that is believed to have occurred about 26,000 years ago. The continent is said to have existed in the area that is now the Pacific and Indian Oceans. Its boundaries can now be seen as the Pacific Tectonic Plate and was about 5,000 miles long and about 3,000 miles wide. Tropical and home to a population that reached around 60 to 65 million, explorer James Churchwood placed the continent between Africa and South America in his theoretical map. It is also said by many that the original earthly home of the pantheon of ancient Egyptian gods, of which Ra was the head, or perhaps the the place Ra disappeared to in his times of exile, though there are many others who believe Lemuria existed at a time in Earth's history that predated the time of Ra and Osiris. Legend tells us that although Lemuria never reached the level of technology that other ancient civilizations such as Atlantis or the Rama Empire were said to have reached, it was able to obtain certain achievements in fields such as construction. The Lemurian civilization was very adept at building monuments and it was they who first discovered how to build earthquake-proof megalithic structures. But it is said that it was in the science of government that they most excelled and where their greatest achievements lay. We are told that that the Lemurians considered their greatest resource and key to the, the success of their empire to be education. There was only one government and everyone spoke one language. Everyone was thoroughly educated in the ways of nature and the universe and they were given a trade which resulted in great prosperity of the land and the people. Education was compulsory until age 21 for the entire population which was a requirement for entering citizen school. Citizen training then lasted for a further seven years and at the age of 28, people were able to legally become citizens of the empire. Where's this information coming from? I was about to say, this is so detailed for something that predates Atlantis. Where's this information coming from? Yeah. This sounds like someone's dream of a utopian civilization. Mm. 
The Lemurians apparently knew of the impending destruction about to befall their continent, and they set out to colonize other areas. Or was it channeled? You know, that's where you, that's the only place you would get something this this detailed be, yeah, look, is like a channeling channel. sort of thing. Could have been channeled, yeah. Um, where are we? After the final demise of the continent, it is said they settled in two main areas and divided into two distinct cultures. Those that favoured the ways of the science colonised the island continent in the Atlantic, which was to grow into the empire of Atlantis, while those that favoured the ways of spirituality colonised the area that is now India and began the Rama Empire. It is said that the governing body of or elders of Lemuria were all members of a society known as the 13th School. Legend has it that when the elders became aware of the doom that was approaching their land, they moved the 13th School to then uninhabited plateau in Central Asia, which was later to become Tibet, where they established a library and another new school which they named the Great White Brotherhood. Did we not just see a meme that there's a big ancient library <coughs> that's been discovered in Tibet of like... Yes, we did. Thank you, Joe Rogan scrolls. podcast. Yes. Let's see how real that is. Mm. Let's hope. Mm. Um, where were we? Oh, yes. White supremacy. I mean, the, the Great, Great White, White Brotherhood. Brotherhood. But it's Tibet, so it's not racist. <laughs> it probably the, is now. The actual... Yeah, everything is... The actual continent is supposed to have been destroyed in the Earth's far distant path during the a cataclysm that was brought about by a polar shift. The land mass of the continent is said to have been so immense that it encompassed all of Australia, New Zealand, Indonesia, the Philippines, all of Oceania, most of the Western North American and everything in between. When the continent sank, the massive subsidence it created in its wake formed the Pacific Basin. The event had the effect of lowering the world's oceans significantly. When water rushed in to fill the newly made hollow, it was during this event that other lower land masses were uncovered as the waters receded and the continental landmass that was to become Atlantis became fully exposed. Ah, okay. So, isostatic depression created Atlantis and then destroyed it. Mm. Those who tell. The idea of a sunken civilization in the Pacific area was first proposed by the explorer James Churchwood in the late 19th century. Churchwood claimed that through studying ancient texts, he had discovered the signs of an advanced civilization in our distant past that existed on a long-lost continent that had sunk below the Pacific Ocean about 60,000 years ago after a cataclysmic earthquake. He then set about publishing his findings in a series of five books, collectively known as The Legend of Mu. At the time, Churchwood would have been look, working with a French doctor called Auguste Le Plongeon, who believed he had managed to decipher some ancient Mayan texts. However, there are many who believe that Le Plongeon's translations were grossly inaccurate and that because Churchwood 
though a notable explorer, had never discovered anything of great importance. You know, everyone who does, like, translations always gets discredited at some point. Yeah. You didn't have the right can, bit of paper, mate. I can think of, like, some Sumerian tablets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the same sort of thing. Mm. Um, sorry, guys. I, even though I've got the mouse, I've managed to lose my place. He had fabricated his lost continent out of desperation. Thank you, sir. Comparisons of geological finds containing many striking similarities between fossil and sedimentary strata found both in India and Africa that were made in the 1800s at first tended to support Churchwood's theory. But as scientists gained a better understanding of plate tectonics, opposition to his sunken continent theory increased ever more dramatically. Since that time, however, there have been other discoveries that lend a little more weight to the idea. A German naturalist by the name of Ernst Heinrich Haeckel also reasoned that Lemuria could explain the absence of the absence of fo- any fossil remains of early man, reasoning that any remains would scroll 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 now be lost if man originate originated on a sunken continent in the Indian Ocean, all the fossils of the missing link are now under the sea. Many others reason that a great continent once existing in the Pacific could also account for the wide distribution of large flightless birds that only exist in the Southern Hemisphere, such as the Australian emu, the ostrich, and once the dodo, also the ones that lived in New Zealand. Yeah, the Kiwis. The, no, the, and the mower, mm. the big ones that mm. were bigger than emus. Mm. The distribution of lemurs has also been attributed to Lemuria. Charles Hapgood published a book entitled Maps of the Ancient Sea Kings, which expanded on Churchwood's theory. Later, author and maverick archaeologist, pseudoscientist... <laughs> David Hatcher Childress examined Hapgood's theory in detail in his book, Lost Cities of Ancient Lemuria, the Pacific, and did well to substantiate most of his work. Mm, I've heard of that. Some information that is presented to us about the lost continent is highly dubious and needs to be approached with a certain amount of caution. Many writings exist on Lemuria. Here you go. The people the communities, their way of life, and so forth. Many writings claim that the, the Lemurians were telepathic and other even more fanciful things. Unfortunately, we only have the vaguest of hints so much... Oh, goodness me. Vaguest of hints to such a place ever even existing, let alone what kind of people they may have been and books that go as far as discuss, discuss, discussing the ways of the Lemurian people are purely speculation, as no texts, hieroglyphic or otherwise, have ever been found to exist that deal with such topics. I agree. That's exactly what we were just yeah, talking about. Yeah. And when we're talking about, we're talking about a, a place they think was destroyed sixty thousand years ago. Yeah. You think about the amount of trouble we have trying to work out. What happened 12,900 years ago? Yeah, exactly. Um, we're looking, yeah, we're having a hard time. Mm. 
you want me to take over? You're right. Um, no, I'm good. Where's the next one? Oh, it's just there. It's just yeah. there. Where are we at? Uh, one of books the most. Hieroglyphic. One of the most well-known of these more esoteric sources would undoubtedly be the work <laughs> of one of the most well-known more esoteric <laughs> of Madame Blavatsky, a seer of the late 1800s. Didn't I say? You just said that. Yeah, good call. In her book, The Secret Doctrine, Blavatsky's claim to have learned of Lemuria in the book of Zian, Zian. which she alleged was shown to her by the Mahatmas. Some of Madame Blavatsky's claims were pretty outrageous. She said that some Lemurians had four arms, used telepathy as their main form of communication, some had an eye in the back of their head that provided them with psychic vision and other such spurious claims. I've never heard that word or seen that word. Spurious. spurious. I like it. It's word of the day. And the word of the day. Blavatsky also wrote heavily on the underground world of Agatha and the secret Thule Society, of which Adolf Hitler was a member. Notably... Blavatsky herself denounced her own claims shortly before her death in 1891. However, not to be deterred by her own rebuttals of her work, shortly afterwards, a man by the name of Scott Elliott picked up where Blavatsky had left off and published a dishevelled, dishevelled, overwritten and rather ponderous book (laughs) entitled The Story of Atlantis and the Lost Lemuria. Eliot's work seems to be wholly fantastical, and in his book he describes Lemurian as being 12 to 15 feet tall, with flat faces, except for a muzzle protruding from the centre, and even the very earliest Lemurians as being a race of egg-laying hermaphrodites at one point. Wow. There you go. The 12 mi- to 15 feet, though, giants aren't out of the question, man. No, that's right, that's right. The myths and traditions of ancient India contain some references to both Lemuria and Atlantis. The Rig Veda, for example, speaks of the three continents that were, one being a home to a race called Danavas, a land called Rutus, was said to be an Move immense, forward. Move forward. To be an immense <laughs> continent. Far to the to la, 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 east of India and home to a race of sun worshippers. Always the sun worshippers. But Rudas was said to have been destroyed by a volcanic upheaval and sunk beneath the ocean. Fragments of the continent remained as Indonesia and the Pacific Islands and a few survivors reached India where they became the, the ancient learned race known as the Brahmins. The same type of story also appears in the Mayan creation myths, namely in a tale called mm. Pupol Vuh. And there are also paintings depicting the event. Some of the works that exist referring to Lemuria are quite ponderous and esoteric <laughs> and require a great deal of intellectual sifting and it is not the intention of this work to explore them in full, just to alert the reader of their existence. 
Should you, however, wish to explore these tales in detail for yourselves, a full bibliography is provided at the close of this book. Cool. And look, that's been my experience with the Myria as well. Ponderous and esoteric is, is a really good way of actually putting it. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely. But look, so what? I mean, I thought 60,000, well, so the, we got reset 60, they must be talking about that reset where we got down to 8,000 people or something like that, basically. Isn't that, is that what they're sort of uh, saying? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was 60,000, 70,000. I thought that was about 70,000. So that's, you it's, know. It's in there somewhere. The further you go back, the larger your window gets. Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. So it's like, yeah, 60 to 70, same shit. So was that a polar shift? I thought it, I thought it was a super volcano. Well. It, or was it both? It was, but they're also saying volcanic. Um, there was actually multiple things mentioned. Yeah. Now that you mention it. Yeah. The first thing mentioned was a polar shift. Mm. I think that was part of like... Then there was a volcanic and then there was like a sunken continent yeah, due de- to crustal it, displacement. By the I thing. think that's it depends on who's telling the story yeah, sort of thing. Like right. I think that's what Max was trying Hapgood, to get across. Hapgood was the crustal displacement guy. He was, yeah. yes. And then maybe maybe the polar shift was from Blavatsky and fucking that other dude that wrote that other shit was, was a Childress. volcanic man. Childress. Oh, there you go. The case for ancient flight. That's the next chapter. So I'll, Fuck yeah. I'll finish this off. Well, sir, we have 26 minutes left. Look, we might just um, go... You just might finish on this one, mate. That's fine by me. Call it short. Let's do it. Tracing the outline. Many scientists and archaeologists state the topography of the Pacific and Indian Ocean area does not reveal anything that looks like a sunken landmass. However, there are theories as to why this could be. In the late 1800s, Charles Hapgood put forth a theory that had some merit went something like this. Due to geological upheavals and just through normal environmental activity, vast amounts of vegetable and animal matter constantly fall to the ground and are buried beneath the earth. As this rotting matter composts underground, it produces methane and other gases. These gases form into underground pockets and through constant tectonic movements, eventually join together and form super pockets of underground gas. Since the gas is constantly being replenished by composting matter and gas is lighter than earth, over great periods of time these gas pockets gradually work themselves closer and closer to the surface. Hapgood theorised that such super pocket, such a super pocket had possibly existed under the Lemurian continent and had burst open during a past seismic event, virtually swallowing the continent whole and then the ocean floor had simply closed back over the fault and filled this with sludge and debris, eventually bearing all trace. That's a that's a, a vivid imagination for like a super massive pocket of gas that exploded and destroyed an entire continent. Mm. That is a vivid imagination. Imagine how much we could have sold that to the Chinese for. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course, his critics had a field day with such a theory, saying that the concept was absurd, and pointing out that the vegetable matter rots too close to the surface of the earth. And the idea that could possibly exist of vast gas deposits beneath the earth were totally and utterly preposterous. It wasn't until the latter half of the 20th century that natural gas was discovered in vast deposits beneath the earth, much to the embarrassment of Hapgood's critics. But could such super pockets as Hapgood describes actually exist? Knowing what we know now, the idea is not at all unreasonable. It's not. It's not unreasonable at all. Uh, But what evidence exists of such a place as Lemuria? I mean, you know, people... If you're not in oil and gas and stuff, you don't understand how big some of the pockets of oil and gas that get found, like they are 
fucking huge, man. Mm. Like, they mm. really are. Um, but but are they big enough to swallow a continent? And are they cavernous? Yeah. Or are they in a seam? Um, like the rock just isn't as dense in yeah. that area, maybe even porous. Yeah. That the gas can exist in that space. in inside that space. Yeah. Like a spongy kind of yeah, yeah, material. Yeah. It can that can be true. Yeah. Instead of just being open. Yeah. Uh, recently, some amazing sunken ruins that many believe can be attributed to the lost continent have actually been found by divers off the coast of Japan. I know where he's going. Some of these ruins are quite spectacular and include terraces, hexagonal post holes, columns, roads, and other megalithic structures. For some reason, these ruins have not been featured or even reported by any Western media at the time of this writing in 2006. Oh, there you go, the time of this writing in 2006. That's now we know when he wrote the book. Yeah, we know. I can, however, confirm for you that they were located 60 to 100 feet off the water of the coast of Okinawa, Japan, in 1995. The terraces are quite massive by normal standards and another site is discovered soon after just off the southern end of the island of Yonaguni, the southernmost island of Japan. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's Graham and his wife. I, or that, that person there is Graham. A lot of these original photos... I uh, bet you the next chapter will probably talk about him. Mm. The Yonaguni location is a quite extensive site with five irregular terrace sections resembling ceremonial platforms. There have so far been eight of these anomalous underwater sites found in the vicinity of Japan to date. Kimura firmly believes that the ruins to be man-made and trace of an unknown civilization, perhaps from in the Asian mainland. One site includes the ruins of a building about 240 feet long. Two of Japan's leading researchers, Kiyachiro Arataki and Professor Masaki Kimura, <coughs> a marine geologist with the University of Roikuyu's in Okinawa, have spent several years studying the eight sites in all, especially Yonaguni, which was also found by Arataki also in 95. So that mightn't be Graham, but I know he went to the site extensively. Yes. Uh, in an article, The Ancient American, the writer Frank Joseph had this to say about the find. One of the greatest discoveries in the history of archaeology was made last summer off Japan. There, spread over an amazing 311 miles of ocean floor, there are well-preserved remains of an ancient city or at the very least, a number of closely related sites. In the waters around Okinawa and beyond, to the small island of Yonaguni, divers located eight separate locations in the beginning of March 95. That first sighting was equivocal, a provocative squared structure so encrusted with coral that its man-made identity was uncertain. Then, as recently as the summer of 96, a sports diver accidentally discovered a huge angular platform about 40 feet beneath the, below the surface. Off the southwestern shore of Okinawa, the feature's artificial provenance was beyond question. Widening their search, teams of more divers found another different monument nearby and then another and then another. They discovered long streets, grand boulevards, majestic staircases, magnificent archways, enormous blocks of perfectly cut and fitted stone, all harmoniously welded together in a linear architecture unlike anything they'd seen before. I've not heard any of this. No. Any of this at all? This this may be exaggerated because what I've seen of what Graham's dove yeah, on just, off Yonaguni, I think there's even like conjecture about yeah, whether, whether it's, it's natural or man-made yeah, sort of thing. So where's this other stuff? Like the mm. more and then more and streets and staircases. Yeah, where's all this and, stuff? I haven't seen any of that. Mm. In the following weeks and months, Japan's archaeological community joined the feeding frenzy of the discovery. Trained professionals formed a healthy alliance with the enthusiasts who first made the find. 
In a progressive spirit of mutual respect and working alliance, academics and amateurs joined forces to set an example of cooperation for the rest of the world. Their common cause soon bore rich fruit. In September, not far from the shore of the island of Yanaguni, more than 300 airline miles south of Okinawa, they found a gigantic pyramid structure in 100 feet of water in what appeared to be a ceremonial centre of broad promenades and flanking pylons. The gargantuan building measures 240 feet long. So yeah, that looks the similar. That looks like the ones that I've seen in the past. That does, yes. But that's not. There's no archways. I mean, although there's there's that, I suppose. But yeah, that's that. Okay. Exceptionally clear subsurface clarity with a hundred foot visibility, a common factor, allowed for thorough photographic documentation, both still photography, photography and video. These images provided the base of Japan's leading headlines for more than a year. Yet not a word about the Okinawa discovery reached the U.S. public until the magazine Ancient American broke the news last spring. Since that scoop, only the CNN network televised a report about Japan's underwater city. Nothing is about it has been mentioned in any of the nation's other archaeological publications and not even in any of our daily newspapers. I mean, this is, this is 2006. Yeah. Think about the control. I mean, it's still back then. They're just like, no. No, this is not an ancient city in Japan with archways and promenades and pyramids and stuff, man. We yep. can't tell them that. No. That's not part of the narrative. That's correct. God, that pisses me off. So that means we should look into this deeper and see if we can find some of this old video and stuff from mm. back in the day. Like That'd be interesting, actually. Uh, daily news. One would imagine that such a mind-boggling find would be the most exciting piece of news an archaeologist could possibly hope to learn. Even so, outside of the ancient American and CEN single report, the pall of silence covering all the facts about Okinawa's structures screens from them from view more effectively than their location at the bottom of the sea. Why? How can this appalling neglect persist in the face of a discovery of such unparalleled magnitude? At the risk of accusations of paranoia, one might conclude that a real conspiracy of managed information dominates America's wellsprings of public knowledge. Yeah. Maybe. The site was also visited in 98 by a team of American divers who were sceptical at first but became more interested when they discovered some intriguing holes in the rock platforms. Yeah, that's, see, that's what I'd seen. Something mm. like that. Uh, see, that looks a bit more like a temple, maybe, but when you look at it from that structure. Yeah, but you know, not to the level of... We're not seeing pyramids or that they were pylons or promenades yeah, exactly. or like all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. A few possible scenarios have suggested in respect to dating these sites. One possibility is that they may have submerged when sea levels rose as the continent ice sheets melted at the end of the last ice age. Another is that because Japan sits on the edge of the Pacific Ring of Fire, tectonic activity might have caused some type of massive land subsidence, and this is not at all unlikely. Turaaki Ishii, who is a professor of geology at Tokyo University, suggested date contemporaneous with the ancient civilizations of Mesopotamia and the Indus, Indus Valley for the ruins, putting them about 8,000 BC, while others suggested an age of about 12,000 BC, which would be the cataclysm. There is every indication that more than one ancient civilization may well have existed on the earth, and indeed every possibility the civilization preceding even the one which we know as Atlantis may well have even existed. As you read further, you will see why this is not a wholly unlikely or impossible scenario. I really like doing this book, man. Like, there's so much stuff that he's obviously, like, where do we see? 
haven't heard it. I didn't. There was a lot of new information tonight, right? And I love the fact that we called bullshit and then he called bullshit. Yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, That's right. He had to just get through the part. Yeah. He had to get through explaining it yeah. first. Had to get through the understanding. He knew it sounded fucking yeah. a bit unbelievable. Yeah. And funnily enough, we're like, hang on a minute. This is very descriptive yeah, yeah, for yeah, somewhere yeah. that existed 60,000 yeah. goddamn yeah. years ago. Yeah, very esoteric and prolific. Yeah. Yeah. So next minute, fucking Blavatsky's at the fucking center of yeah, it all. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. She's, she's at a few, she did, did a few things actually. That she Blavatsky. has. She has. Well, mate, uh, nice quick one tonight to get one out before we uh, head west. And uh, always fun, dude. We need a we need a punch because I mean, look, the next chapter is uh, the case for ancient flight, so we can't leave that one. Chapter seven. We can't leave that one sitting in the pipeline for too long. No. Now we are. Where are we sitting at? Not quite halfway of this book. Yeah. We're going to punch on. Yeah. Punch on through it. I think it's good, man. I think it's good. Well, thanks very much, sir. Until You're welcome, time. mate. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone. In Thanks. this life and the next. We'll Cheers, see man. you later. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Just want to go again? Let's do it. Yeah. Go again. All right. I know you've been here before. No surprises settle the score.